What is at the top of your your prayer list? If you're like me, uh, I regularly pray for my my family, um, my closest friends. I pray for people who are going through illness or, or disease of some kind, people who've lost loved ones. I pray for our church. I pray for our staff. I pray for our nation and our world. What is at the top of, of your your prayer list? The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians that we are to pray without ceasing. He also wrote in Philippians 4 that we are to, in everything with thanksgiving, present our requests to God. Jesus taught us to pray. He urged his disciples to pray. Jesus himself spent time in, in prayer. What is to be at the top of our prayer list? This morning we're continuing our sermon series, Cultivating Your Faith. And, and the idea behind this is there's a clear theme in Scripture that we are called not only to believe, but to follow and to grow in Christ-likeness, to grow in our understanding of who God is and what He's doing in the world, to grow in our, our fruitfulness for Him. And we began then by looking at Luke chapter 8, our first week, where we saw Jesus uh, use a parable about a, a, a sower who cast seed, and it fell on different types of soil. And, 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 the, and the point was is that, that Jesus makes is that we are not only to hear God's Word, but to put it into practice, right? And that when we do so... Uh, we'll produce fruit for God, we'll get more insight, more understanding, we'll be more effective for Him. Our faith will grow. Last week we turned to John 15, again Jesus' words, uh, where Jesus uses a simile to make a, a similar point. I am the vine, you are the branches, He said. And we saw that the one thing that God wants most for us is that we would know and experience and remain in God and His love, in Jesus and His love. The idea is that when we do this, the Holy Spirit flows through us. It brings life to us. It, it makes us more effective. It, it, it demonstrates to the world that, we're, that we belong to God. And Jesus warned us, apart from me, you can do nothing that lasts. But then he promised, but when you remain in me and my love, you will produce fruits that last. So, so far, as we look at this idea of cultivating your faith, we have uh, kind of two tools that we can use. We can pull out of the shed and use them. Uh, we, we are told to, to hear God's word and put it into practice. We're told to know and experience and remain in Jesus and his love. Where does, where does prayer fit into this? Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians 1. We're going to work our way through verses 3 and following. A little bit about Colossians, the, book, the letter of Colossians. is written by the Apostle Paul to a, a church in Colossae, which would be present-day Turkey, not far from other churches, uh, such as the church in Ephesus. And the church was planted by a man named Epaphras, uh, a convert of Paul's. Paul himself had never visited the church in Colossae. And like all of his letters in the New Testament, it's written to a specific situation. And the situation is, is that there was some false teaching about Jesus that was starting to take root a little bit. It's called Gnosticism. And Gnostics in the church believe that in addition to faith in Jesus, that you had to have special insight and knowledge. That only if you had that special insight and knowledge, kind of a, a spiritual key, could you then be saved. It's what you knew that saved you. Then Paul refused this in strongest terms. What brings us salvation, he says, is who you know. And knowing Jesus means you know God. That's how you're saved. In other words, salvation, he says, is not dependent upon intellectual capacity or any special insight. It's dependent upon knowing Jesus and trusting in his life, death, and resurrection. 
And, and Paul writes to them because he's concerned about the, the, the health of their spiritual faith. He wants their faith to remain strong and grow because he knows a strong, growing faith is less susceptible to false teaching. He wants them to cultivate their faith through prayer. And so he begins with prayer. A reminder about prayer. Verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learn it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So Paul begins by telling them how much he appreciates them and, and, and that he's praying for them and that he's grateful and encouraged by the good reports he has of how they're growing in the faith, they're cultivating their faith, and of their love for each other. And, and what is at the top of his prayer list for the Colossians? Is it healing from disease? Is it protection from persecution? Is it they prosper financially? Is it they don't experience pain or, or suffering? You know, last week we asked, what does God most want for us? This week, what does Paul pray most for the Colossians? And the answer, I believe, is, is, is linked to, to cultivating our faith. Verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the, the heart of Paul cries out to God. May my brothers and sisters in, in Colossae, in Christ, may they know your will. This echoes Jesus' prayers, doesn't it? When the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray, how does he begin? Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross the next morning, he prays, not my will, but yours be done. That is what Paul prays most for the church, that they would know God's will, that they would understand it, that they would trust in it. That in the midst of false teaching or disease or persecution or loss or pain or hunger or loneliness, that they would seek God's will first and find it. How do you cultivate your faith through prayer? You pray for God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. I love how Paul puts it here. I have not stopped praying that God would fill you with the knowledge of of God's will. You know, in Luke 18, Jesus told a parable about prayer. There's this, this widow, and she, she goes to the judge for help, and, and she keeps knocking on his door day and night, coming to him, nagging him, constantly bringing her petition to him. Paul is like that widow. He's constantly knocking on, on God's door, over and over with the same petition. Fill them, Father. Fill them with the knowledge of your will. Why? Why is that so important to Paul? What is one of the most difficult things for a follower of Jesus? 
It's a wonder what his purpose is in the midst of something difficult or hard in your life, in the life of a loved one, in the world around you. You know, if we could just understand, it would, it would help, wouldn't it? You know, 28 years ago this month, uh, we, we lost our, our daughter Abigail when we lived in Canada. She was, she was delivered with an umbilical cord around her neck. And I could make medical sense of what happened. And I understood spiritually, that, theologically, that just because I was a pastor and a Christian didn't mean I would be you know, spared pain or loss. I knew that God loved our daughter. She was with him. I believe that God loved me and Nancy. So, so what was God's will in it? I don't believe that God is random or uncaring in his dealings with people. I don't believe that God takes any pleasure in the pain and suffering of people. So why does he allow certain things? Well, there's something that could be said about free will and love and living in a world that involves pain and suffering. That's a different time, different sermon. And, and, and it's not always completely satisfactory, is it? You know, I can't say with 100% certainty what his will was, but I have seen, what I have seen is that God has redeemed it by connecting us with parents who have gone through something similar. I have seen God redeem it in my own life as he has given me deeper empathy and compassion for people when they're in pain. I've seen God redeem it to bring me closer to him, the one who gives the peace that passes all understanding. All of that has brought me comfort and grew my trust in the Lord. I'm, I'm not a model Christian. I'm, I'm aware of my failures and my flaws and my sin. But when I can see God working in and through a situation, kind of, sort of connecting the dots like those connect the dot pictures. I, I can't see the full picture yet, but I can see enough to kind of begin to, to figure out what's going on. When, I, when that happens, I, it gives me comfort and it gives me confidence in his will. And it grows my faith. How do you cultivate your faith through prayer? You pray that he will reveal his will to you. You pray that you will see him at work redeeming all things. You pray that he will fill you with the knowledge of his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I believe that's possible. I mean, otherwise, why would Paul pray it for the Colossians? Now, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will doesn't mean that we know every single aspect of it. Or that we see it in full right away. I mean, Isaiah 55, right? God's ways are higher than our ways. But we can be filled with enough knowledge and wisdom regarding His will. We can see enough dots connected that we can trust Him in all circumstances. It's sort of like a, like a great waterfall, like Niagara Falls. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's incredibly immense and powerful and, and impressive. The sheer volume of it cannot be contained in any human container. It's just not possible, but you can fill a canteen or a jug or, or a large tank to overflowing. And it's enough for what you need at that moment. So it is with understanding the ways and will of God. We can't always understand. We don't have the big picture. It's just not possible for our earthly vessels to, to contain but when we turn to God in prayer and we ask him to fill us with the knowledge of an understanding of his will, he will fill us. And that can be enough. And when we pray like this and when he answers, what is the result? Verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, 
growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I used our, our lack of success in growing rhubarb to make a, a point about the importance of the condition of, 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 of soil and its connection to growing a crop. And I had several people come up to me and offer me advice and tips about growing rhubarb. Thank you for that. Um, I asked, as I usually do when I, I go home, I asked Nancy, what did you think of the sermon? She gives me constructive feedback. She's really good at that. She said, but she said one takeaway was that people are going to think I'm a horrible gardener. I said, no, they're not going to think that. I mean, we've had good success. I should let you know, set the record straight. We, we grow great uh, flowers and, and other vegetables and herbs. And one thing we always do when we, when we plant is we, we choose the appropriate plant starter or fertilizer. Why? Because it stimulates growth. It nourishes the root system so it goes deeper and, and wider and, and it grows healthy. It increases the yield of what you're trying to grow. So it is with prayer. Prayer stimulates growth. It deepens our roots in Jesus. We go deeper in Him. And that's important because it helps us persevere in times of a spiritual drought or storms or tests. Prayer cultivates our faith. In times of, of, of suffering and pain, it, it helps us to, to persevere. It helps us understand that God is good and, and helps us understand that He's working in and through us and the world around us ultimately for His good. That He will redeem all things. But without prayer... We're like a plant with a shallow root system, susceptible to temptation, not flourishing spiritually, not producing in our lives what God intends. Liable to be toppled over or uprooted when tough times come, unable to stand against pressure from the world around us, unable to see God's purpose in our lives and what's going on in the world around us. How do we cultivate our faith? We pray that God would fill us with a knowledge of his will. And, and when we do this, he will answer that prayer. And when we begin to see more and more what he's doing, begin to connect the dots, we can live lives that honor God and bear fruit. And Paul says we're strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. You know, over over. Christmas break, our three kids were home. They overlapped for one week, all three of them, and then the boys for three weeks after that. And we, we, uh, we loved having there, but we did notice a big change in our groceries bill, especially uh, when it comes to milk. We went from about a gallon or so a week to six or seven gallons a week. And the boys, of course, want the good stuff, not the skim milk, not that kind of mamby-pamby stuff, but the good stuff that's fortified, you know, with, with vitamin D and all sorts of good things that make your bones stronger. You know, when we pray seeking to know God's will and then live accordingly, we're, we're fortified. We're, we're made stronger. Not with vitamin D, but with all power according to God's glorious might. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that created the universe, the power that brings us to life spiritually. The power that makes all things possible, the power that holds the universe together. And when we have, are strengthened with that power, Paul tells us that we will have great endurance and patience and be filled with gratitude and joy. Our, our, our spiritual bones are strengthened through prayer. And we're able to withstand the hits and pressures of life. And when we fall or stumble, we're able to get back up and keep moving forward. So what steps should we take in light of Paul's words this morning? 
make a commitment each day that along with your prayers for your family, your church, your you know, people on your prayer list, people you know that have asked you to pray for them, whatever you pray for, make a commitment each day to, to specifically, intentionally pray that God would reveal His will to you about what He's doing in your life through different circumstances, about what He's doing in the lives of the people around you, about what He's doing in the, in the world around you. God will answer that prayer. You may not get the whole picture. You won't get the whole picture, but you'll get enough. If you pray consistently, you can begin to connect the dots here and there. You'll have enough. And, and don't miss out on this also. Find somebody, maybe a few somebodies, who will commit to praying for you the way that Paul prayed for the Colossians. And ask them to pray that, that God will fill you with the knowledge of His will and then commit to praying the same for them. God will answer that prayer, those prayers. So how do you cultivate your faith? So far, we've got three tools in the garden shed. We hear God's word and we put it into practice. We remain in Jesus and in his love. And we pray to know his good, pleasing and perfect will. You do that. Your faith is going to grow. You'll be strengthened. Your roots will go deeper. You'll produce more fruit. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we are grateful for your great love. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word. Help us to be hearers and doers, to put it into practice. Lord, we thank you for the, the love we have in Jesus. He is the vine with the branches. Help us to abide in him and, and to know and experience and remain in his love. And out of that, Lord, live our lives. And Father, we pray. We pray, Lord, and we commit ourselves to praying intensely and consistently. We pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us, that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will. That we would grow deeper. That we would be more effective and fruitful for you. We thank you, Lord. We pray this for ourselves. We pray this for each other. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.